Hi, everyone. I'm Twee Vu. And I'm Dr. Diane Hamilton. Welcome to Leaders Playbook, a show about how to drive transformational impact in your organization. We talk with innovative thinkers across various sectors to hear about the best tools, resources, practices, and strategies to help you and your team reach the top of your game. So sit back and relax. We can't wait to share our leaders' insights with you. Hi, everyone. Twee Vu here. As companies begin bringing employees back to the office, creating a post-pandemic work culture where people can thrive despite ongoing challenges has become paramount. Given the new hybrid work environment for many people, employees bringing their whole selves to their jobs. And with that, you know, comes family issues and pressures that go along with working from home part of the time. And there are issues and pressures that come with adapting to an office culture that is far, far different from what they were used to pre-pandemic. Today, we're talking with someone who is in charge of overseeing all this for VMware, a tech company offering SaaS solutions to build and run all your apps across clouds. Betsy Sutter is Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer at VMware, and we're so excited to have her on Leaders Playbook. Betsy, thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Twee. I'm pleased to be invited. Oh, well, uh, you've been at VMware pretty much since the beginning. Uh, how long have you been there and how has the company changed over that time? Yeah, you know, I've been with the company for 21 years and um, it's been a pretty special ride. And it started when there were about 100 employees uh, and now we're over 35,000. So a little bit of growth. And, you know, some things have changed and some things really haven't. And so it's it's been fun. It's been incredibly dynamic for someone who does what I do in the people business. What do you what do you think has has changed? What has been, um, you know, perhaps two of the biggest changes and what hasn't really changed? Yeah, you know, our position in the industry has definitely changed. Um, we started in 1998 as a disruptive startup. Um, and we've moved into hyper growth to a multi-cloud portfolio company, right? So we're now, actually, it's hard for me to believe this, one of the largest software companies in the world with uh, 500,000 customers. So our technology started with you know, desktop PCs, and then we moved to servers, then we moved to data centers, and now we're, we're in public clouds and everywhere, plus we're going to the edge with, with our technology. So lots of tech breadth, right? As we build software and services to help people run their apps and run their businesses uh, you know, across the world. And then what hasn't really changed? What hasn't changed is we continue to be a culture-driven company um, and we continue to be a technology-driven company. So that is at, at sort of the root, the heart and soul of the company. And also at the heart and soul is all about enabling customer and choice and flexibility. That's what our technology allows for. And what's been fun for me on the people side of the business is prioritizing employee choice and flexibility in the same way. So those things haven't changed to this day, even after 20 odd years, we're still trying to provide platforms for our employees to kind of self-select where they wanna play, what they wanna do, um, as part of the VMware company and the VMware community. Yeah. And that probably has never been more prominent than now. The employees' desire and need for uh, flexibility 
and, um, you know, some understanding and some empathy. You're no stranger to huge changes and huge challenges in the workplace, of course. What would you say have been the biggest challenges over the past couple of years? Yeah, you know, I've been doing this line of work for decades now, and obviously 20-odd at VMware, but I've never been so challenged in the work that I do as I've been over the last two years, right? Uh, yeah, well, COVID and the pandemic, you know, tremendous impact on families and lives, um, amazing, an amazing amount of employee and work disruption, and then business disruption. Um, and so having to stay focused on our, you know, 38,000 people while trying to help our customers and address their issues in real time, that was tough. You know, work from anywhere hit us. Now, we were thinking about it prior to this, but it really put the pedal to the metal for us when it hit. And then, right, uh, lots of social unrest, right? George Floyd, anti-Asian sentiment, the geopolitics going on, just a lot for people to have to deal with um, while, as you say, trying to bring their whole selves to work. So so that they can you know, thrive and succeed in terms of what they're trying to do at the office with all this disruption. And um, what really moved to the forefront to was this, the, all the challenges around mental health. Um, and those came in so many different shapes and forms. And so from the outset, you know, at the beginning of 2020, we really had to step back and rethink all things wellness, um, it started to take on new meaning. And so our benefits team really had to step back from traditional thinking to how do we get to a distributed workforce undergoing immense amounts of stress. Um, and so we rethought a lot of different things in real time. Um, choice and flexibility still at the core. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a red thread through a lot of what we do at VMware. So we had to take a look at time off. How do we give people uh, what we call the wellness allowance, money to go take care of their needs on this front, and then enhance our access to services, both inside and outside the company to get the coaching and the counseling and the professional support that they needed in the new world, in the new world order. So that's that's quite a few programs and initiatives that you've uh, mentioned, and I think this could be very valuable to many, many other companies facing similar challenges. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's start with giving people time off. How did you approach that, and what did you come up with? Yeah, what we did was um, we, when the pandemic was, you know, hitting us hard in 2020 and even into 2021, we established a pandemic leave, and so people could take five days off to go do what they needed to do, no questions asked. We also established what we called EPIC shutdown days. EPIC is an acronym for our, our values for execution, passion, integrity, customer and community EPIC. And so we designated four EPIC shutdown days where the entire company shuts down so people can really go off and rest. That has been so well received. Uh, we just had one last week um, and it came in handy because of daylight savings time, people had a little bit more time to act got the, the most lovely notes from people who were having lunch with their, their families or their partners or their friends. It was great. So it was really about time. And then, of course, we gave them a little bit of money, discretionary money, to go do what they needed to do with that, whether it be buy a treadmill, buy a indoor bike, whatever they wanted to do uh, to, to take care of their wellness. May I ask how much that wellness allowance Absolutely. was? Absolutely. It was $1,000 and it still exists today. So it's a recurring benefit now. 
That's that's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, people love it. And it's great to see how people are spending it. Um, you know, when you're distributed and hybrid, you know, wellness means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so we didn't want to get prescriptive. We wanted to give them the choice and the flexibility to do what they thought would be best. And and so you put those measures in place right away or, or you know, fairly quickly after the pandemic first hit. But now as we look to the future, what other things are you putting in place to establish the roadmap for health and wellness this year, five years from now, 10 years from now? Because this whole distributed workforce um, environment isn't going away. It's not. It's not. I think what we'll continue to do is, you know, we do a lot of sensing and pulsing at VMware because our people will tell us what they need and they guide us in where we need to go. And so um, the, the response to what we put in place is to, to keep them in place, um, to continue to enhance them. We do look at our traditional benefits as well, right? We just enhanced our parental leave benefit. I'm really proud of that. We took it global. What did you do with that? What was the enhancement? People get a lot more time to spend time with their families and both uh, both mothers and fathers. Oh, how many weeks? Uh, 18. Yeah. That is, wow, that's very nice. nice. So I'm really proud of that. And, um, and we just announced that and the, the response to that's been great. So it's just constantly paying attention to what's going on. And you've been at VMware more than 20 years, uh, as you said at the top. And and you built VMware as a company with such a strong in-person culture. Now, like so many other organizations, VMware has a distributed workforce and you're hiring new people around the world because now you can in this remote work environment. How do you retain a strong company culture around all that? Yeah. I, you know, Twee, I think about that every day, right? Because it's the small things that add up to building out and evolving our culture. But if you've been to our Palo Alto headquarters campus, you know, it's it's a beautiful 100-acre campus, uh, and we built it proudly. Um, but now, uh, you know, it's underutilized, right? Um, our people used to come onto the campus where there's open space and walking trails and woods and fresh air and windows and artwork and cafes to, you know, really much less occupancy. And so we've had to really rethink how we're going to use this space, knowing that not everybody's going to come back. Um, and why that plays into the culture is what used to define our culture in terms of physically getting together and doing this, that, and the other. Now we have to think about it, as you say, with a distributed hybrid workforce. Um, I can't say that I have the answer. We're, we're piloting lots of different things. Um, we have a future of work cross-functional team. These are subject matter experts and people from the business that are helping us think through our workplace, our work practices, and our workforce. So that we, we created that framework so we could really dial in on what we wanted to do in those three areas. And so we've done a little bit in every, every aspect of those, the place, the practices, and the workforce. Um, again, a, 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 still a focus on choice and flexibility. Um, so redefining the workplace. I, I heard on a, another podcast recently the term resimercial. And so we're creating all our office space to be, to be more resimercial. What does that mean? <laughs> it means more residential and commercial, right? Yeah. So if you were to step outside my office, there used to be cubes and now there's 
comfortable chairs and whiteboards and you know uh, end tables so you can come in and just sit and have a conversation and and collaborate it's more lounge like more, lounge-like. more residential that's right that's right there's some there's some nicer furniture outside my office than in my home I mean, I, I love it out there. <laughs> I just come in to you may not go home some days. <laughs> That's exactly right. But the other thing we're doing is trying to, so it's less defined office space, less defined cubicle space, and much more collaboration hubs. So that's one thing we're focusing on. Uh, so that's the workplace. And then you mentioned work practices and workforce. So regarding work practices, what are you thinking of on that plane? Yeah, one of the things that we've had to really step back and think about is how we empower, better equip our managers and our leaders to connect with their people in this distributed and hybrid world. And um, one of the biggest things that we've been focusing on and continue to focus on is inclusive training. Uh, inclusiveness in lots of different manners, right? Not just uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also how do you deal with people that are on a Zoom versus people that are in the room, people that are in a different time zone, all those kinds of things. Um, We've also really upped our empathy training. Um, So um, we've really doubled down on really talking about what empathy is, what it looks like, how to operationalize it. it doesn't it's not second nature to everyone right uh how to have those career and aspirational conversations with people when they are distributed we launched an initiative that i loved it was just called what's your why and so we asked every manager to have a what's your why conversation with their people so why are you here what do you want to do what's what you know and that we got great feedback from that and so that's now a staple of our work practices as well Oh, that's nice. So what were some of the things that you were hearing uh, as you asked them, what is your why? Yeah, you know, people are here for different reasons. I mean, some of our technologists are really excited about this multi-cloud, you know, uh, play. They just think becoming a multi-cloud player is is the end-all be-all. It is exciting, I have to admit. But some people are here because they love the people they're working with. Some people are here because they love the they love the work that they're doing. And so there's all sorts of different reasons, but you know, we, we never assume what, why people are here. It's great to ask them. And in this new world order, it's, it's even more important to check in. I think people are making some decisions. I mean, you've heard about the great migration. There's a lot of flow going on. The great resignation as well. That's right. And I think, I think that's here to stay. You know, I think this fluidity is part of this distributed and hybrid world. And, you know, I think that 50% of our people will want to work in a flexible environment forever. Um, and so I think I think that's where we're going. I know I have adult children, and that's the only way they'll work, right? They can't imagine going into an office five days a week. So it's interesting. It is. And it actually brings me full circle back to a point you made earlier, which I found very interesting that, you know, how do you deal with a diverse environment? And that's not just talking about DEI. It's about people in different time zones, people, some people are in person, some people are on a screen. Do you have any good strategies for dealing with all that? You know, the, you know, I was just doing a town hall with some people in, in, in the organization who were primarily located in India and they were actually asking me if it was okay not to take a meeting if it was called at 9.30 p.m. at night uh, when they have children or family members or other things to do. And um, I, I said, it's absolutely okay not to take that meeting. 
um, it's actually okay to decline that meeting. And so I think the big thing is to empower people to take care of themselves first. I think more than ever right now, given everything that's going on, is people need to put their wellness first, what works for them, and then the business will come in, come into the office and the business uh, with that. And so that brings me to the third thing, workforce, which I think you kind of already touched on, but I would imagine that it also has to do with the massive transformation that you just mentioned. VMware uh, is now migrating toward a SaaS model. Can you talk about that? And what strategies are you using to move your current workforce, including some longtime employees who are used to the old model, and now you're trying to shift them to an entirely new SaaS model. How's that going? Yeah, you know, it's multiple transformations at once with all the externalities to, you know, to add on to it, right? Um, but on the workforce front, you know, we're, we're actually able to recruit from a wider pool of diverse talent from all over, right? So location is not, not a, uh, it's not a determinant anymore. And that's been huge. Um, and I've, we've seen some really powerful and positive results in terms of being able to add talent and diverse talent. So no location constraints. I love that. We've spent a lot of time to simplifying our interview and selection process. Um, because with this migration and this great resignation, right, people have a lot of choice and they're making these decisions uh, at a pace that is unprecedented in many ways. So we've had to look inside about how do we do this more efficiently and, and whatnot. And then lastly, you know, in order to, to, to keep our people here, we try and stand up a lot of internal mobility inside the company. So we create a lot of programs so that you can go look for opportunities elsewhere um, easily. We have part of our recruiting team at VMware that mostly does external recruiting, but a percentage actually sources and pipelines talent inside the company as well. Uh, we have a program that we call Take Three. You can sign up to do something completely different for three months elsewhere in the business. You just sort of write a proposal, you get a sponsor, and then we say, yeah, who do that for, for three months. What a wonderful idea. I love that. People love it. People love it. And it just broadens their perspective immensely, right? And then I would imagine that that also helps to build the empathy you talked about earlier, because sometimes if you don't understand what someone else's job is, it's easy to sometimes take people for granted or, or just, just totally not understand what it is that they do. And I think that once you're in someone else's shoes, that helps to build empathy and a greater sense of collaboration, I would imagine. And one of the great things, and, and you've said this and other people I've talked to have said this, is that this remote workforce possibility now makes it entirely um, feasible to hire people from all around the world, increases your talent pool, increases diversity. So with that, has there been a mind shift as well for you and, and for VMware in terms of where do you look for talent? New sources? Is it new universities, new collections of, of potential hires uh, online or elsewhere? And are you looking for different qualities than you might have looked for pre-pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, part of our transformation is sourcing talent that that is done it elsewhere um, at other SaaS companies and bringing it in. Um, and th th that, that's been fun. And then bringing that talent in and then allowing them to teach us what we need to know. Um, so absolutely, we have done that. The other thing we've done is 
we've changed what we look for and how we look for talent. So, you know, we've moved away from traditional job descriptions that kind of describe the activities. And we now do something called guided by outcomes job descriptions. And so that we, we kind of flipped job descriptions on an ear and just talk about outcomes that we're looking for this new talent to bring in. So it's less about what you've done and where you've been and how long, but it's more about these are the outcomes we want to achieve. Tell us why you think you could help. And that's been very powerful. That, wait, wait, let, let me stop you there because that's a very interesting point. And that's an, that's an incredible mind shift from how job descriptions have been traditionally written. So can you give me a concrete example of, of, of that? Yeah, I can try. I wish I'd prepared one for you. But when we're, so we're looking for a new diversity, inclusion, and equity leader. And instead of saying we want this number of years of experience and this and this and this, and you would go here and you would go there, we'd start to talk about um, the outcome we're looking for is for this leader to take our power of difference communities to the next level and have them have more influence and impact within the business. So it's a little bit more open-ended for people to then think about how they would bring that to us. So we don't we don't close it off, we kind of open it up as part of the process, if, if that helps. That's very helpful. Um, wish I had talked to you before we wrote some other job descriptions here at Global <laughs> Mentor Network. <laughs> Although we made a great hire recently. So if she's listening, we, we love you. <laughs> I'm happy to share the methodology. Just have her give me a call or you can give me a call. <laughs> All right. You're on. As I talk to, you know, various people who are out there either looking for a job or thinking of leaving their, their present job, but quite, haven't quite made up their minds. You know, on the one hand, many people are expressing a desire to keep working remotely and companies are responding to them by giving them the ability to do so and to be flexible in how they work. Uh, but I've also heard the concerns about collaboration and teamwork, especially as it pertains to innovation, because a lot of that innovation, that spark, that fire, that creativity comes from just random conversations sometimes that you have with your coworkers in the office around a water cooler, for example. That sounds so ancient now, right? Gathering around a water cooler. So, so how do you balance that flexibility with um, the need to have innovation in the workplace? How do you encourage that when people are not face-to-face? -face? Yeah, you know, it, it, um, one of the things I miss most is those spontaneous conversations, whether it's on my way to get the coffee or at the water cooler, or even in the women's restroom, right? <laughs> I, miss, I miss those conversations. But, you know, truth be told, you know, some work is better done in a quiet space. Like we have a lot of software engineers who need to code. So we have to meet them where they are on that. Um, and then there are obviously points in time when collaboration and relationship building is required. Now, I think there's a real hunger and a real thirst for that right now, but there are people that are still constrained by being able to come in for whatever reason, right? They have an immune compromised someone at home or whatever. Um, so we're trying to build it out all around still to be around choice and flexibility and align it with the business needs. So that's an ongoing conversation. We're not at a place where we're actually kind of mandating in office, come in these days. We're just not sure we need to do that yet. And we're not really sure how our people will respond to that. So we're just going to keep asking them. I still think it's early in the journey. Um, and so we're going to figure it out as we go. We're, we're big on sort of piloting things and seeing how it goes and going to the next 
the next phase. The one thing I am focused on now, though, is how do you invite people in? How do you incent people to come in and come together? And, and that's what we're focused on. And then, then people will tell us what works for them. But again, it's just about meeting them where they are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you, you know, incentivize them and, and, and get them excited about coming in and, and sharing time yet on the screen again after they've been on the screen all day long? Yeah, you know what? Well, we do have a beautiful campus here in Palo Alto, and we also have lovely campuses around the world. Um, I find that food is a great incentive. <laughs> so <I think laughs> if, if we go back to doing sort of communal meals or lunches, mm-hmm. that, that's really powerful. People come together and and we have a lovely meal and a lovely conversation. But we're we're just trying to stand up different kinds of engagement forums for people to come in. And we're trying to build them so that if you physically want to come in, it's a good experience. But if you're distributed and hybrid, uh, the digital experience is equally as good. Now, I can't say we're there yet, but it's something that we're focusing on so that everybody feels included in this new in this new way of working, right? Have you tried some things uh, digitally to bring people in that are fun and not necessarily business focused? What's worked? What hasn't worked? Yeah, you know, lots of people are doing lots of different things. Some people are having, you know, cocktail hours. Some people are having coffee chats. Some people are having competitions. They come together. We have Olympics going on and they're showing their data, you know, digitally Mm. to one another. So there's lots of good stuff. I do. I do feel like the old days of all of us going out and taking a walk or going on the soccer field or whatever. I think those will come back, but we're going to have to figure out ways so we can touch our distributor or regional employees as well that are not physically in a site or a location. I know that you haven't decided yet when you'll bring people back to the office. There are some companies that a very small number, but they've already announced that they will be bringing people back this spring. Are there certain companies that you're keen on watching around the country, around the world, perhaps, and seeing how this works? Or is there an example of anybody doing kind of a good job uh, of that or or being a thought leader on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of companies doing a lot of good things, right? Um, and I think it really comes down to who are you and, you know, how do you want to operate as a company? Um, you know, I think that when I look at Apple and Google and Microsoft, they're all doing good things that work for them um, and listening to their people, right? Um, and that's what we're doing as well. So, I, you know, I kind of admire all those companies because we've all endured so much over the last two plus years. I mean, kind of hats off to all of us, especially the people leaders. Well, especially the HR leaders, uh, the chief people officer, it has really fallen on you guys <laughs> to make all this work. What has your life been like? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, honestly, I have never had to think so hard, work so hard, listen so hard as I have over the last two and a half years. Um, but th- that that's a labor of love, right? So, it, it, But it, it really came at us. Uh, at my team is phenomenal in terms of, you know, highly empathetic and really wanting to lean in and meet employees where they are. Um, sometimes having to make hard decisions, well, we can do this and not do that. Um, but we're pretty much a Y culture at uh, VMware Twee. And what that means is if I can answer the question, you know, why are we doing that? Um, and people understand that we've thought it through. It's been a 
a thoughtful and thorough process, um, it, it, you know, the response is really pretty good. And with the world getting more and more transparent, right, it, we have to be answer, the, answer those questions about why. And so for the last two and a half years, I've really had to think about, well, why are we doing this and why aren't we doing that? Um, so for me, it's probably been the most challenging, albeit the most rewarding. Hmm. And for you personally, because we've been talking about health and wellness sprinkled throughout this conversation, how are you able to make sure that you stay healthy and that you stay mentally fit during all of this and all the things you're juggling at the same time? Yeah, it's really important for people like me, the CEO and my colleagues to set the example. Um, and so when we do have those epic shutdown days where we shut down and we, we shut down the company at the end of the year, we all stayed off email, right? We, we didn't violate um, at, the respect that we were trying to give to the community about we're all just going to sign off. Uh, for me, it's um, giving myself permission to just take a breath uh, and slow down to speed up. And that's hard. I, I, I like to operate at a pretty good RPM, but um, I've had to really slow it down. And, and that's worked for me. What about diversity, equity, and inclusion? I know DEI is a priority for VMware. How do you stay focused on that while also responding to so many other challenges that come with adapting to new ways of doing work? Yeah, I would say that all things diversity, equity, inclusion, and I'll add on accessibility now are really important uh, to me personally and professionally at this stage in my life. And I know how important they are to VMware. So it's great that they align so well. Um, and so for us at VMware, it's really not, a, you know, and also it's just, this is what we're doing. It's an and, right? It's, it, it's not a function. It's a movement inside of VMware. And it's just muscle that we absolutely have to develop. So it's one of our top priorities. It's driven from the top by the CEO and myself. Um, and we measure progress as best we can, right? On all things representation, obviously. But we look at hiring and promotions and attrition and movement. So one of the things that we've done just recently, and I'm really proud of this, um, we engaged a law firm out of Washington, D.C. called Covington and Burling. Um, Eric Holder is part of that firm. And we went in asking them to do a culture risk assessment for us thinking it was an insurance policy to be like, oh, we're pretty good, right? And boy, oh boy, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned a lot about what we're not doing well. Such as? Yeah, the experiences of our women and our underrepresented, underrepresented minorities are very different than other people's at the company. And so there's a problem there. And the second big thing that jumped well, out. I'm, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to just kind of push you a little further on this. How in different in what ways, Betsy, the experiences of women and underrepresented minorities? Yeah, I think they're they're feeling in some cases not included, in some case maybe discriminated against, in some case not treated as professionally as they think they should be, um, and then it's exacerbated by the fact that. They need a, a vehicles, channels by which to raise their voice. They're not feeling that those channels are as safe as they need to be, that they don't understand what the process is. Um, and so we are really doubling down on really understanding what's going on with those experiences right now and really understanding how to improve that channel when people have concerns and complaints. You know, using your voice is is so important. And um, if people don't feel like they can use their voice, then that's problematic. And so 
I'm very grateful to the team. Eric Holder's team did an amazing job still partnering with us, helping us figure out what kinds of investments we need to make at this phase in all things diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And one of the other hot topics I keep on hearing about for companies and businesses and, and even nonprofits right now is ESG. Where does that stand in your company? What are some of the conversations you're having around that, um, especially as you're also at the same time trying to figure out how to build this bridge to the future of work in a very hybrid environment? Yeah, ESG is a, a, becoming a more and more critical component to what we do. Now, given what we did with our technology, even from day one, we've always been a pretty green and sustainable company, right? Because we were about server consolidation. Uh, and so we have this great sort of foundation by which to continue the journey around all things ESG. Um, and it's now become part of, you know, even what the board looks to us to report out on. It's part of some of our, our bonus metrics as well. I'll add to the one thing we've done on the DEI space is we've made our progress in diversity, equity, and inclusion part of our bonus plan, as well as our progress on the ESG front. And not too many companies, if any, have done that. Um, and I'm proud of that. That's great. Meaning that they have to certain uh, meet certain metrics in order to get an annual bonus. To get to get their bonus, correct. Um, and so, and we've done that for a couple of years on the DEI front, and we just started doing that on the ESG front. And so, we do that on multiple dimensions, right? We have a product play as it pertains to ESG. We obviously have a strong DEI play. We have a trust play because of our security angle in technology. So that that would be another great podcast for you to do is all things ESG and how leaders are taking that forward because those leaders are really building the next generation companies, right? Those leaders are taking a very principled and you know sustainable environmental and governance approach to all things. And I, I just love that work. No expert am I, but um, I'll, I'll support it in any way that I can. Well, on that forward-looking note, you are hired as my uh, producer for that future show. Thank you for that idea. <laughs> Betsy Sutter, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer at VMware. Thank you so much for being with us. What an enlightening conversation. And you are just pure joy to talk to. Oh, Tweet, it's so much fun. And I've watched you for years. So what a thrill for me. Thanks for having me. I'm grateful. A thrill for me as well. Thanks, Betsy. You're welcome. Thank you. We always love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, head over to gmn.net and say hello. That's where you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter and our blog on transformational leadership. Also, be sure to follow Global Mentor Network on Twitter and LinkedIn. And don't forget to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe for more tips to elevate your impact. While you're at it, leave a rating and a comment. It helps us to keep improving the podcast for you. See you next time for another episode of Leader's Playbook.